0: Welcome to the Wizards of Dapps podcast, where we interview the creators of various decentralized applications in the WebPree ecosystem. We learn about how they are built and the insights that come from shipping. And we're your co-hosts. I'm Peter.
1: And I'm Bethany. So well, thanks for tuning in. Today, we're sitting down with Yogesh from YoloRect. Welcome to Wizard of Dots.
2: Welcome. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you, Peter, for having me here.
0: I remember the first day that YoloRect launched. And there's a funny story. I was in Berlin during Berlin Blockchain Week. And I was like sitting in like, I was in um, Outline Ventures, you know, uh, meetup. <laughs> and I was just sitting there playing with my phone, right? And I heard that it was launching and I, oh shit, you know, I should play with it. So the first thing I did was just like, you know, log in, create a username and password, right? It has like a Web2 style login system. And, you know, I remember putting in 0.3 ETH. And then like, I saw the screen, my deposit go to 0.9. And I'm like, that's beautiful. What just happened? I thought, is it like a bonus or whatever? Later that night, I took it out. And I was like, oh, wait, I, I took out 0.9 ETH when I put in 0.3. This, <laughs> this, this is interesting, <laughs> right? Then I was like, wait a minute, let's see how far we can push this. If I got more three X my money back, you know, uh, let's see if I put in one ETH. Then I put in one ETH and then like the game, like at least a balance updated to four ETH or 3.98 ETH. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. I kind of like this, (laughs) right? And the thing is, I think that's when you guys have discovered that, oh, wait, something is not quite right.
2: (laughs) No, 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 no. So what happened was, uh, yeah, so (laughs) it was hilarious. So it's okay. It's a first day. Uh, what happened was, uh, so we have an off-chain uh, state channel style database that uh, keeps track of the funds that's on-chain. The problem was we had so much logging and there was w- Web3 blocks were getting mined after 50 blocks. And so it double, upda- double or triple updated the same thing waiting for the Web3 block to latest the ballot. So we had enough money in the contract for you guys to withdraw. And then, uh, so I mean, we of course after first day we added a lot of checks, security checks in place, so that that doesn't happen. So, but uh, yeah, there's some lucky users on first day who made a lot of money from us, but it's okay.
0: <laughs> I apologize for bringing that up. I just thought it was hilarious, but I thought my my literal think, my literal thinking was like, wait, that just that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then like uh, and then my next immediate thought, my lizard brain like immediate, immediate thought was. Let's see if I can pay my rent u- work using this.
2: <laughs> so did you actually pay your rent using that? <laughs> no, not,
0: no, not really, it didn't work because it's, you, know, you guys patched it up pretty quickly. But you know, it was a pretty great first day, I heard. you know. But before we dive into all of that, right, and the launch of it, which happened nearly a month ago, I'd love to learn more about you know, how come you're here building you know, YoloRent? And what is it? I mean, how did you get to it?
2: So a little bit of a background. So I also co-founded a company called SpanChain, which you must, you guys probably all all know. But I just try to right. uh, not to talk about it a lot. But yeah, so well, that's how I know Will's and James and uh, all the people who started with me. So the earliest, really, the first few team, me, Amin, James, Will's were like the first four guys initially at SpanChain. So I left SpanChain. I wanted to work on. I thought the opportunity was uh, infinite. Like you can build a lot of things. So I started working on cross-chain protocol to have a cross-chain exchange uh, called Liquidex that you just mentioned. Liquidex, it was an interesting idea, but there's so many similar ideas at the time. I was thinking, yeah, basically what happened was there's a lot of similar ideas like Cosmos, Polkadot. I just had a simplified version of that essentially. So it's like a collateralized chain, which helps you exchange assets between different chains. This was my 2018, mostly, most of my 2018. I was trying to bring Liquidex to the market, really. I did raise funds from uh, Boost VC and um, MicroVentures, but my competitors have raised millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right. Definity, Polkadot, Cosmos, all those guys have like raised so much money. So then I realized even they didn't have a product. They didn't <laughs> yes. have a usable product, right? So no one had a usable product. At the end of last year, 2018, I realized that, okay, so I can grind on this, probably raise more money or just build something that user will use now. Like it's from the first principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's something that user will use. So what is the basic thing user do in like Ethereum and crypto? They watch at the price and they speculate where it's going to go up. Because a lot of them are like have a lot of ETH or they bought a lot of ETH. They just want price to go up. So what's a better platform? Just make them watch a prize and predict. So, <laughs> and, and this is what I told Wills. Wills was the first guy I told, uh, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking. This seems to be a cool thing. So, but he did. I mean, still, we were like generating the idea, right? In December last year. Then we, I realized like, how do you make it more addictive? So people stay on it, not just do like a few times, like, and then go back, right? That, okay, then go back to life. So you got to make it addictive by making it short term. Like the addiction comes from the fact that it's short term. And then if you make it too short term, what happens is it becomes gambling.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so that's kind of how the idea got generated. So I built a very crappy prototype, which is I'm not a UI guy, I'm just backend and of everything. And then showed it to Wills. Wills took it up and said, okay, he got it. Okay, this, was, this game is real. I lost in the last five seconds. This game is real. I'm going to build a design for this so that we can build this out essentially.
0: When I first saw and played around with like the alpha or the, the test step version of Yolorect, it was like actually one of the better designed da- like gambling taps I've played with. It was in, in inherently Yolorect, right? Like it's kind of, it's not the simplest uh, gambling tab in the sense that you just like push a button and you like get money, right? <laughs> but because there was, you know, there's coordinated effort put into it, right? But it was very coherent.
1: I was going to say, before we dive too much into that, do you want to just quickly explain
2: how the game works for anyone
1: listening that doesn't already know?
2: It's a very simple prediction game, really. The ideas are derived from binary options. Nadex is the short-term option trading platform in the U.S. So what it does is there's a price of ETH set at the start of every three minutes. We set a strike price and the users are just predicting whether the price is going to go up or down. So after, at the end of three minutes, the game ends and you would know if you're right, you would win a, win a small proportion of the other side pool. So it's like, a, you can think of this as votes, like bet up votes, bet down votes. So if you vote with some amount, uh, like bet with some amount and you're going to win a, that fraction from the other side when the other side loses, or you're going to lose that fraction from your side, essentially, when your side loses, essentially. So basically, To define this very clearly, I think it's an option still, short-term options, because the only difference here is we force-close the option at three minutes. So there's no way users can close the option before. So it's like that makes it like a game, three-minute game. So there's a three-minute game and one-minute cooldown. So first 30 seconds of the game is for setting the strike price, which is like a mean of the current prices in that 30 seconds. And then next one minute is for betting and the remaining... Minute and a half is for waiting. We did that last minute and a half waiting is because we didn't want people to wait till the last minute to bet and get like significant advantage over the prediction. So people consider it's gambling. Actually, it's more predictable than gambling. Actually, there are people... Of course. <laughs> so there's people who have bet like 500 bets on our side actually right now. So those guys are like winning a lot. Obviously, they're, wow, yeah. they're able to predict it well. Uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the reason I say that is when there's very low volatility in the market, you can predict really well. Even three minutes is not, en- not enough. Price will stay the same. So yeah, our formula takes into account the gain, the volatility. Is that a good explanation or did I, did I drag it too long?
0: I think that's, that makes sense. You know, it's like, you know, there's these three minute games where you know, people predict whether the price will go up or down. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they place the bets. They see what happens, right? Uh, and then there's more you know, nuances about how you've designed the game. But yeah, it's actually quite inherently like a very simple thing. As you said, people already bet on the price. This is just a game to help people do that <laughs> in a more structured way. The interesting thing is that, you know, you also have various little elements. Like you have a troll box, right? Where it's just like an open chat, which anyone can participate in.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting that you mentioned Trollbox. It's become like a very tight feedback loop from the users, actually. We are learning directly from the users. Users are always yelling on the troll box if their odds are not right. <laughs> so
0: for those who uh, don't know, have seen it, right? It's really just like, um, it's almost like, you know, uh, if you've used Facebook Messenger on, or Facebook, right? And, you know, in browser or like you've seen Intercom, right? It's just like this pop-up chat where people can just like type and et cetera.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like infused into the web app where it's like either it's going to be on the right for like 30 seconds when the strike price is getting set or it's going to be like a drop-up, drop-down, like a pop-up, pop-down kind of a troll box. But it's like a very useful feedback from users. Deposit not working, withdraw not working, my balance is not accurate. All of those feedbacks are very direct on troll box. So it's great. Uh, It's a great tool for any financial app, I guess. Every financial app should use a troll box in my opinion.
0: So you can actually play YOLOREC, you know, it launched like a month ago right now. And the thing, one thing you'll notice immediately is that, you know, you, you don't get, you know, annoyed with this like uh, pop-up for like to connect with web Free, right? You actually have to sign up using email password. You want to tell us more about how that works and the design behind that?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So this is a thing, right? Me and James were discussing this when we were designing Yolorec. Which James? James Young. You know James Young, right? Yeah, shout out. James Young from Abridged, uh, we, were, yes. we were like discussing, how do you avoid MetaMask, right? So it's not like we don't want MetaMask, you can still use MetaMask, like not directly integrated with the app.
0: Like most people on the internet don't have MetaMask, right? It's only crypto people who have MetaMask, right? So you automatically, if you design for only people who have MetaMask, it's just like, it's impossible, right? You have to onboard via MetaMask. So was this almost like, you know, how do we design for normal people?
2: That is one part of the design, actually. So the thing was, if you look at biggest user bases in crypto, right, they're all centralized. Binance, Coinbase. <laughs> so they're all, right. <laughs> they're all centralized and they don't use MetaMask, right? So the problem was like we had to keep the decentralization aspect, but still get more users who are do not know how to use MetaMask, like from Coinbase and Binance, all those users. So that's why we just thought, let's still have the Web2 style login, but tie that to a specific account address that a bridge has, essentially.
0: Right. So this would be a, like a bridge, you know, it's an SDK to basically onboard new users to Web3, right? And one of the mean kind of like, you know, offerings is that it allows you to deploy these very simple and lightweight small contracts. And in your case, right, it's like, you know, application-specific small contract wallet.
2: Right. So what we deploy, what bridge has is called an account contract. What account contract is nothing but a multisig wallet. It's a very simplified multisig wallet that is multisig contract that is deployed for each user, really. And that is why we have like a fee of 0.01 ETH when they deposit for the first time. That is to deploy this contract, multisig contract. The cool thing about this multisig contract is people think You're kind of centralized now. No, we're not centralized. Tell me when you want to get this decentralized. Because we just add your key to the contract and you control your own funds after that. What's that, essentially? And then you can remove us from the key from the contract and you become totally decentralized. But then you cannot use the YOLORec interface. You'll have to talk to the contracts directly. We will write a technical blog on that at some point very soon. But right now, our users don't care <laughs> whether it's of decentralized course. or not. So that's that's kind of the thing we are learning. They just want to gamble at this time. But uh, that's kind of the inbuilt infrastructure where at any point the user says, I want to control my own funds. So I want $1,000 now. I don't trust you to hold my funds. I want to control my own funds. At that time, it becomes important to manage your own funds when you have a lot of money in your wallet, I think. I mean, nobody cares when it's $0 whether it's centralized or decentralized, I think, in my opinion. So that's why Bridge calls it incremental decentralization, which means that, hey, you don't have to be decentralized right now. But when you get money in, like then stakes are higher. Now you can become decentralized by managing your own keys. So that's kind of the philosophy and the ideology behind this setup, essentially. Specifically, Eurorect is just a simple abridge multi wallet which uses for every user. And we deploy the contract at the time of the deposit it uses counterfactual kind addresses, which means that you can know the address before even you deploy the contract. So that gives us an edge where you create an address, let's create two address, and then you deploy the contract whenever the deposit is there. Otherwise, don't deploy it and don't waste money, essentially. You don't have to pre-deploy the contract. It's
0: like you don't want users to just come on your site right? and you know, need to deploy a contract for the first thing they do. Right? It's like they don't need to do that until they actually have funds. Or even if you're deploying, like, you shouldn't be wasting meta transactions for people who won't have value in there anyways, right?
2: That's very true, because that's a good point you made, actually. That's the thing. A lot of these initial Ethereum dApps had this sign-up where you had to spend $5 to sign-up. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was not really a way to get an onboard users. I mean, who's going to spend $5 to just sign-up to a dApp? So, it's <laughs> like a reverse incentive that you should not sign-up because it costs you $5.
0: So you launched about a month ago, right? you know, and it took you like nearly a good chunk of eight, nine months I remember right from a previous chat to kind of like build and launch this thing right. What have you learned in the process of building this or focus on real people like at least before the launch, at least like engineering and product wise
2: a lot actually, so I don't know I keep learning every time I think I' become a better architect, better engineer, I fail to, to fail the next project again to think through the things correctly so. So the thing about the software development and specifically in this context is that we should not do too much into, if you're building a user-facing app, just keep it lean. Don't try to research too much stuff. So first thing is to cut out features, right? So you don't, you don't need to do everything advanced. So if I'd known the feedback of the users that I have right now, I would have cut out a lot more features, uh, too, actually, because uh, not features, mostly... I would have focused on different things. My, uh, like, Initially, people had a lot of withdrawal issues. So that was just because there was so many multi-level transactions that was happening because there's a call to counterfactual contract that calls our betting contract. And then that's a request call. Then there's another call watching that event. And then we go and update the off-chain balance to on-chain. So that complicated workflow, I would have reduced it to just one transaction or two transactions. So those are the things that I would actually make. it. It's actually more simpler to do a two-transaction thing. I would say in engineering and development-wise, when you're doing these things, just get, a, get it out as soon as possible. Do whatever is necessary to get it out. That's all. Because that's the best simple strategy you can use. Don't think anything that users will want. Just
0: like put it in front of people, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So what have you learned now, like, you know, one month post-launch?
2: What I've learned is users don't care about counterfactual addresses. Users don't care about state channels. Users <laughs> yeah. don't care about how the money is stored. Users only care about they can deposit, their odds are better, and they can withdraw. <laughs> yes. These are three right. things users care. Yeah. The real gambling users. Of course, initially, when all the people in the community were signing up, like a lot of Ethereum eat whales and Ethereum guys were signing up, they were asking me counterfactual address questions <laughs> and extra stuff. Yeah. Right? But the real daily active users that we have, they don't care about any of that
1: there for the gaming and for the experience they don't really care about what goes on behind
2: the scenes. Correct pretty much that's pretty much exactly the feedback.
0: You had a really interesting data point about like how many of your users came from like centralized you know exchanges expand a bit more about that.
2: Right. I look at every user who joined. I think Bethany, you joined last night, I think, right? Or maybe early morning. So <laughs> I look at every user that joined. I have an 20. alert. Who's joining? <laughs> so this is the thing, right? So I research how their money is coming in, where the money is coming in. The best of my ability, I know that it's coming in from Binance or Coinbase. This is statistics of our daily active users. So we don't have a lot of users at this time. We have like around we're growing organically, 350, 360 users at this time, but we have a lot of daily active users, like around 10 to 15. And we have like 50 to 60 weekly active users. Even with that small number of users, where retention is like so good. I mean, it's been a month, so I cannot evaluate all statistics on that. Basically, mostly Binance, Coinbase, and uh, someone moved from Bittrex as well. I think these are the ways they're getting the money in. So that's why I think the guys who are mostly centralized users, they're like gamblers, I think traders, day traders.
0: Right. They don't care. They don't care. You know, they're here for the speculation and price volatility, and they just want a debt.
2: Yeah, exactly. They just want to make money. (laughs) In my opinion, that's all they want to do. How the true kind
0: of consumers of Web3 think, you know, it's a lot more black and white. This is the application's wallet. I have my wallet. I'm just going to put funds in here. It's very, very simple. And you know, like you said, no one gives a fuck about how it's designed, like, you know, the technicalities, right? just needs to be simple to do the simple things like you mentioned, deposit, withdraw.
1: And making sure like the design is intuitive so people know what to click and they don't have too much fuss figuring it out.
2: Exactly. Just keep it clean and neat and very few input elements. Like People can do very few things on the site. You can bet up, you can bet down, you can deposit, you can withdraw. These are the four functions we have. That's about it. Nothing else. I just want to keep this to these four functions. That's it. So... That reduces the number of inputs the users give, and it's not complicated. So yeah, exactly, pretty much.
0: Yeah, you keep the job simple, right? You help people um, just like, make money for betting on the price.
2: Exactly, or lose money, either way.
0: Predict or participate in uh, the prediction of the price, right? For sure. If you can empower people in crypto right, to do that very well, then you've kind of like, filled that job, right? I actually think a lot of people look down on trading and betting on stuff, but to be honest, right, trading is almost like the new blogging in many senses. Why well, we've talked about this before, but it's almost like, you know, the act of speculation, the ability to speculate on anything almost, right? And, you know, as much as you want is that value. And similar to like microblogging and blogging back, you know, 2008 or 10, right? People looked upon it like a complete joke. Like you're making a living off trade, like, blogging or, you know, but in our case, it's like trading, right? It's like, you know, within the tech purist community, I guess, if you think about it like that, you know, it's kind of looked down upon because people see it as primitive, you know, it's all about money and price. But the truth is, you know, what if, you know, that's a huge value add, right? That's, you know, blogging is writing in our case of web free.
2: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. for sure. So to be clear, actually, the our game mechanics is pretty complicated actually uh game mechanics and formula because there's so many things that depend on calculating odds right now it's only going to get complicated because we have what is called as volatility formula because when it's less volatile your odds go way down because it's riskier for us it's well less riskier for the user because he can predict more easily when it's very volatile your odds go really up so that's one of the biggest parameter we use then So the odds calculation, essentially, the potential gain calculation. This is one of the most, uh, like, and also there's a time decay where um, we are incentivizing users to bet early. If you bet very late, your gains go way down because it's linearly decaying. So what it means is that if you bet early, there's more chances, there's more time for anything to happen, essentially, right? But if you bet late, you're increasing your odds of being right. That's why we give more gains for people who bet early, as opposed to people who bet late. So these are two things that go into the formula that is like making it better. Uh, we're still in the process of making this very smooth instead of very edgy.
0: A lot of um, gambling dApps face the problem of liquidity, right? And like the fact that it's hard to get up and get this initial liquidity of like bets, right? How do you deal with this? Because you seem to have fairly good retention across your current users.
2: This is one of the things I designed from the day one. If no one provides liquidity, I can provide liquidity for the users, which is the bots that we designed.
0: Was this from Liquidex? You know, the, some learnings on that side of things?
2: It's mostly binary, Nadex, so any markets need liquidity really. Liquidex was one of the biggest projects I was trying to give liquidity, uh, make sure liquidity is there. But anyway, that was too crazy too, for a cross-chain liquidity. That was too ambitious than I thought. So here in this case, I designed bots. Uh, so bots, are they're always there. Users come in anytime, any gameplay, any game, they still have money to win or lose. You don't feel like you're walking into a zombie land where there's no users. So you're always having a bunch of users providing liquidity. It might be 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50, 100, 500 bucks, whatever. We vary the range depending on time, really. It's a one form of liquidity. So this actually gave us another idea where we can open up these APIs for other people to write bots and like a high frequency trading style bets you know high frequency betting i don't know whatever people can write bots put liquidity and choose a strategy for their bots to bet up and down depending on volatility price movement whatever right and then look at their bot portfolio at the end of the week or the end of the month how much the bots made i put 10 bucks i made 300 bucks in the bots or something like that essentially so that's kind of how uh, we want to like open up the bot apis eventually really that's how we saw liquidity, if you answer your question, really. Bots are the ones. Ideally, we want more users, less bots, it doesn't matter how big we get, there will be games where there won't be users because it's 24-7. This, it's a machine. It keeps running. It's generating revenue. It keeps running. So we will have to provide liquidity at certain games. But the idea is the bots will themselves go off when there's more users. It won't bet along with them because it doesn't want to get into their game like a don't want to cut into their gains. And, uh, so basically, you don't want to cut into the user's gains. Bots don't want to make money. We're not using bots to make money. We're just using bots for liquidity, that's all. It's, there's a difference between market making and liquidity. Here, it's just for liquidity. Uh, market making, if, for example, if you're on an exchange making markets, right? they're trying to get odds to make sure that they're making market well and they make money, market makers. But here, in this case, it's plain liquidity. Gotcha. Interesting. Uh, happy to answer more questions on these actually, so it's an interesting part where it's slightly different. It works different than markets usually.
0: You mentioned that previously, is this open source or are you looking to perhaps you know monetize in some sense?
2: So the, how we make money is that a question or
0: we previously talked about you know actually licensing out the bot technologies
2: That's one of the big things. if we do open up bot APIs like open source to bot apis, right what happens is that it becomes a natural liquidity providing agent. Like everyone in the world can write bots and provide liquidity, and uh, it just takes overhead off us to write give liquidity all the time. So right now, people have to be online to bet, which people are because it's addictive. But there can be like you can be offline and still be betting with the bots. But we need a like little bit of funding and infrastructure to open up the APIs because we want to do a test one and then a main. Then they have to test their bots. And we have to do a lot of things to open up those, those APIs easily, actually. I want to do it quickly, but I realize there's a lot more work to get that out to like a production level. That's why I'm just uh, waiting. We are in talks with investors all the time, but it's just a question of when we will raise money, I think, at this time because we have retention so good. Is
1: there anything else coming up on the roadmap for you guys?
2: We will add like deposit through Bitcoin, deposit through other assets. We will try to add Google Pay, Apple Pay for um, normal users, not even crypto, not even Coinbase, not even Binance users, just people who have Google Pay and wants to start playing Um, We want to integrate that because Wire has this new integration with uh, Google Pay and Apple Pay. And then that's like, if they're ready, we probably try to use that here and test it on YoloRack. And those are the things that we want to do quickly. We are also kind of modifying some of the algorithm part of our potential gain uh, because on Friday night, we had this insane traction. So what happens is that it's likely, this traction is slightly different. It's not like a millions of users' traction. It's more like even if you have 25, 50 users, the, it's a, a lot of work for us because we're still automating a lot of things in our backend. Uh, there's a lot of support emails that we get. Uh, that might, this is not working. That is not working. Friday night, what happened, like 60, 70 people signed up in like 10 minutes this is because we made a $5 promotion that $5 promotion was gone in like 10 minutes in the night when Indonesia woke up. So at that time we had like a 25, 30 emails from these guys. My $5 is not showing up or I cannot do yeah. so yeah. They, they yeah. Wait, well they emailed you. They found the email like on the bottom of the site. There's a support at yeah. yellowreg.com. So that's crazy. And like on Telegram as well, there's like a bunch of guys in Indonesia contacting me on Telegram and I don't understand them at all. I don't know what they're saying, but that's like it's crazy. Right. <laughs> on the roadmap is, uh, first thing first is to, acquiring users is the biggest goal. As we acquire more and more users, we have retention really. After five days, the first day user bets, about 45% of people come back after five days. I don't know whether the number will stay as we grow more users. The number might decrease to a lot less. So what it shows is it's addictive. There's a way for people to make money, which is good. And then that's they like it. They like the formal part of the prediction. So these are the things it's telling me. That's the feedback I can take from it. We need to streamline some of the things on back end too. So it's like, even though we took seven, eight months to write the code, it's still a little complicated. We still need to refactor some of the things. And those are the things we need to keep updating.
0: I was going to say, you know, you're at this point where you're, you've are you got a product, right? You know, you're starting to test the user distribution uh, methods, right? And you're acquiring user some retention, right? Oh, yeah. What do you think is the next step? You know, do you need further help with very certain areas of the project, right? You need additional funding to maybe take, you know, start experimenting with user growth, or maybe you're looking for people to jump in and help with that, et cetera, or anything you would like to kind of uh, do a call out to the community for?
2: One of the most important things is, I guess, you should understand your users, where your users are coming from, and target those users first very hard, instead of adding too many features and just seeing what happens. We can target Binance Coinbase users. It's just that like a little bit, little bit more funding would be good, because we could do referral promotions and those sort of things, which is like, when they come in, they already have money in the wallet, they can start betting and they get hooked, and then they started moving money in. So this happened a lot on Friday and Saturday, where... Initially, they bet a few times, they withdrew, and everything worked. And actually, they put the money back mm. in, actually, after that. <laughs> so this is what I've seen. If you make withdraw very easy, they will keep the money in. They won't take the money out. It's a counterintuitive logic. If you make the withdraw as easy, it's like it works in like 30 seconds. You've high transaction fees, send it right now. So if you make that happen, they will actually keep the money in because it's so easy to withdraw. Why, wouldn't I, why would I withdraw, essentially? So that's kind of a trust factor as well. Going back to user acquisition question, right? So the channels that would work is Reddit is one of the biggest channels. And I'm not a big fan of putting ads on stuff like that because these are not really effective. Talking or... is
0: broken. It just it doesn't work.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I think the best way is to more Reddit and promotions and referrals. The moment we hit like 1,500 users, we might be profitable that month. I might be able to pay my rent and my founder's rent as well. Other founders, other co-founder's rent as well. It's that low a number, really, for us to be profitable. Our monthly active users. No, actually, uh, if you have 1,500 total signups, we'll end up having maybe 50, 60 users with current retention. So let's say the current retention goes down. Let's make it twice of that, like the 3,000 signups. 3,000 signups, we will be close to be profitable. That's impressive.
0: Wow.
2: It doesn't take too much to, too many users to be profitable. And financial apps, if we get anywhere close to 20K, 30K users, we could do a lot more innovation at your right, Let's say that, there's like a lot of innovation we can do at your ULRAC. Right. We got to hit that number, like 1,500, 2,000 users. We got to hit that range number. Once we hit that number, we will know, but our little bit of funding would be good. At this time, there's two choices. Like, do I spend time on raising funds for equity or do I continue use, acquiring users? So I will try to raise funds when I cannot pay my rent. Until then, I'm going to keep going and acquiring users, I think. That's kind of how I'm looking at this, which is going to happen soon. I'm, I'm going to dry out very soon because I've spent... We're self-funded, mostly, You're uh, for the last year, actually. So this is a great community help. Thank you, Peter and Bethany. Actually, it's a kind of... This is good that we got on, like, talk about Um, It's been hiding, and we're just going and acquiring users.
0: I was saying, like, we should do a Yolorec party, where it's, like, or, you know, like, livestream <laughs> or whatever. For sure. How many, to, to really, like, stress test the system. Yeah. It's good to really learn about, you know, Yolorec. It's, you know, it's actually a quite a complex, you know, product, right? I've been, like, waiting for the chance to really talk to, you know, someone with who was building I guess, like a prediction product, right, for Web3 end consumers. The thing is, earlier this year when I started my newsletter, right, called Game of DApps, and this podcast, right, one of the things that I really wanted to focus on was like and look into were like and explore were the areas of Web3 that were completely overlooked, such as gambling and EOS and Tron, because to me that that was where the interesting things were happening, right? It's just like, you know, gambling dabs fascinating because it's universal and so inherent, right? And you no, know, it's just like fascinating to finally kind of talk to you know, and explore a project like you all
2: Thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, one other point was like, you can get users anywhere gambling. Or, so gambling is a good, easier way to get users, but then you can teach them, make them like, you can help them with the learning curve to actually use wallets and private keys. So when you have users and they have money in the wallet, it's much easier to help them over the learning curve to learn. They have the incentive to learn at that point. That's right. So it's their money. So they'll they'll have more incentive to go through the hurdle to learn about private keys and etc. So
1: cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I think that pretty much wraps things
2: up. Thank you for having me here, Peter and Bethany.
1: Very happy to have you learned a lot. If you enjoyed what you listened to and are interested in supporting this podcast, then please follow us on Twitter at WizardOfDabs. The show notes will be on our website, and if you want to continue the conversation, join our Telegram group. All links will be in the episode description. Thanks for listening.